all part of the plan. DC Talk here on Get Into Geek. It's episode eight. My name is Mitch. Talking all things DC on the big and little screens. Now, today is January 23, 2023. And that date is relevant to our first piece of news this episode because it wasn't too long ago that co-boss of DC Studios, Mr. James Gunn, teased that we would start to hear some of the upcoming and new slate of the new DC regime sometime this month. Now we've got eight days left, and he was hit up over Twitter on the weekend by some DC fan and said, hey, are we still going to hear something about the new slate? And he just simply came back and said yes. So this might have to become a pretty regular podcast over the next week to uh, touch on a few more tidbits that are coming out and will continue to come out. As we've been saying on this podcast, there is rarely a dull day in the world of DC news at the moment, mainly because James Gunn, now I know there's a lot of negativity around him from some group of fans online, but for the most part, you've got to love what he was doing because not only is on the Marvel side and he's editing and finalizing his time with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, but he's also putting together a Superman script, a plan for the next eight to ten years of DC content and running the entire ship as well. But he also finds time to jump on Twitter and answer firsthand a lot of questions that are coming his way from fans online. Superman sure seems to be a big part of the early stages of this new DC regime. Uh, what with the um, well departure of Henry Cavill late last year and James Gunn himself coming out saying that he is going to be a big part and that he is currently writing a script and it's about a young Superman and that's why we couldn't have Cavill and whatever's right, wrong, true, false, it doesn't really matter. Superman, he said, is very, very important to DC and they are out to use him and use him well, use him right, use him frequently, hopefully, considering how much or not so much we've had Superman featured over the last decade or so since Cavill came on board. But anyway, it's a new day, it's a new dawn. Let's see what Gunn's got in store and it's only over the next eight days sometime that we're going to hear something about what's coming up. Will something in there concern Mr. Jason Momoa because also over the weekend Momoa, Aquaman himself who has been speculated over the last little while since Gunn came in and said that Cavill was going to not be part of Superman plans ongoing and that, not that he said it in these words, but essentially we're going to get a pretty overall reboot, right? Well, what does that mean for Aquaman, Jason Momoa Gal Gadot for Wonder Woman? Wonder Woman 3 already been scrapped as it was being planned at the time. Jason Momoa he's got Aquaman 2 coming out at the end of the year that's going to basically wrap up everything that DC were producing before Gunn came on board. Do we want to lose Momoa from DC? You would hope not, right? Do we want to lose him as Aquaman? I mean, maybe is he going to become Lobo? As a lot of people have said over the last couple of years that probably would have been a character that best suited him maybe as well he released this on his social media over the weekend no no i don't want you out of it four years ago i was screaming wasn't right, i yeah screaming when i left warner brothers all right everyone's in the media <laughs> four years again it's a mystery baby we got uh i got some really good news great news with warner brothers amazing um wish i could tell you but here it is peter i love you james i love you David, okay, Mwah. to the future, to the future. Now, what's he talking about? We have no idea. Only, like he said, there's some great things coming and that he's very, very excited about it. 
Now, Lobo seemed to be a character that he was very interested in at one stage or another. So is he excited that, well, his time as Aquaman has come to an end, but he's going to be still part of the DC Universe and part of this new franchise of films, but as a different character and maybe as Lobo? Sure, maybe. But he also made comment in an interview saying that no, his time as Aquaman hasn't come to an end, but that might not be the only character that he's going to be playing in DC's future. I'll always be Aquaman. (laughs) The rumors aren't right. I'll always be Aquaman. Ain't anyone coming in there and taking shit. And then uh, there might be some other characters too. So So we can play. I can play other things too. (laughs) I can be funny and savage and charming once in a while. Now, what does that mean? We don't know either, but... Sometime over the next eight days, do we have an answer? Is Momoa allowed to have posted what he did or say what he said in that interview if he wasn't given expressed permission to do so? Or at least say something without really saying anything? We'll see. We've got eight days left. Gunn has continuously said that. So by the end of January, we're going to see something and we're going to know something about DC's future. And while casting might not be a part of the announcement, he made it very clear over the last couple of weeks that no, he hasn't cast a Superman. He has no idea who he wants to play Superman. I don't know that I necessarily believe that yet, but he said he hasn't finished writing the script. He doesn't look at casting until he has finished writing the script to see what the character is in the story that he's written and then he will go to cast the character based on the description in his finished script. He did follow that up over the weekend when, and while I hate it, I do kind of respect the hide of some self-entitled fans that go to James Gunn on his Twitter telling him how to go about his job. He was hit up by someone over the last couple of days that he quote tweeted, so feel free to read this without actually naming them. James Gunn, please do not encourage your Guardians of the Galaxy cast to follow you to DCU. Find fresh actors that can craft brilliant characters and forge new memories for audiences instead of swimming in the same muddy pond. I know I am not alone in feeling this way. Rebirth, not reuse, please. Now, that's followed some rumors online that some of the Guardians of the Galaxy cast, which have indicated or have confirmed that this will be their final turn as these characters in this franchise, certainly a part of the Guardians of the Galaxy series, would be following Gunn to DC. Has that been confirmed? Absolutely not. Will that happen? Maybe, sure. He's a director they like working with and they're actors he likes working with. Why wouldn't they want to work together again? Gunn replied to that tweet and said, we have hundreds of roles to cast. As I've always done, some will be brand new faces, some will be actors I've worked with before, and some will be actors you know who I've never worked with. What matters most is the actor fits the role and they're easy to work with. Which is a very polite way of saying, please don't tell me how to do my job. But also, yes, there are hundreds, there are thousands, there are millions of actors in the world. But also, if I see someone who's great for a role in Guardians, and they're also great for a main or secondary role in DC, why am I not going to cast them? So, love or hate what has happened in his time as the leader of DC Studios, you've got to appreciate the fact that this guy comes out on Twitter daily to reply to fans, answer questions. Even if he doesn't tell you what is happening, he's more often than not telling you what's not going to happen. Anyway, as I said before, this whole DC future is something that is changing daily. We're getting new information every couple of hours, it seems. So we're going to come back as often as news breaks to talk about what's going on in the world of DC. So at the very least, we'll be back in the next eight days to talk about the tiny little slice of the DC slate that is going to be revealed to us before the end of January. Because you promised, James... Anyway, as we do to wrap up the podcast each week, some reviews in my ongoing quest to catch up on the DC TV of old, as it seems. Although over the last week, we've also had confirmation that uh, Superman and Lois 
for Season 3 is coming back on March 14th and that The Flash is coming back on February 8th for Season 9. And shortly I'm going to talk about the first couple of episodes of Season 7. So I've got some work to do. Coming up, The Flash, Superman and Lois. Right now, though, Batwoman, Season 2. Last week, we were but a mere breath away from getting to Coriana. This week, we end just a mere breath away from Coriana. Again. Oh, boy. Okay, so story-wise, the search continues all across the park this episode. There's a dying, poisoned Ryan trying to find Ocean. Kane and Sophie are trying to locate the map to Coriana. And Alice, well, she's trying to get some answers about her real history with Sophia. And the only real movement we get is with Alice, told by Tatiana that she and Ocean were in love on the island. (gasps) What? And that a jealous Sophia had their minds hypnotised to forget about one another. (gasps) What? I never thought I'd see the day that a man I considered a brother would be kneeling before me, a betrayer of his island and his people. You wanted to take the one thing that was precious to me. I will take what's most precious to you, each other. Side note, how easy is mind wiping in fiction? Like, I don't know the logistics of trying something like that in real life, but not only can you wipe time periods away from memories, but even just specific relationships and moments in this show. So helpful. Also, can I ask, when is this all set? At the end of the episode, Ryan has caught up with Alice. She monologues to her about wanting revenge for her mum and gives this specific date. My mom was Cora Lewis. Your gang beat her to death on December 13, 2015. Now, this is obviously released in early 2021, but season one only kicked off in late 2019 when Alice first really came onto the scene in Gotham. Now, even if you take into account that for the most part, these shows and their events don't actually move with a week between stories, like a release date might suggest. And they certainly don't have months of inactivity between seasons. Surely that still doesn't buy back enough time to put the death of Ryan's mum more than five years before this episode is set. Now, to really know, we'd have to draw up the most epic timeline on a massive whiteboard where you could really line up all of the shows and where they cross over to properly, or even roughly, date all of their events. And as much as I love the idea of that... Who has got the time? If you do or you know already, please hit us up. Let me know. Otherwise, just like last week, this show's two or even three storylines are not running at the same pace. And here, the Alice, Ocean, Tatiana scenes had far more to cover than those of the Ryan and Mary or Luke or even Sophie and Commander Kane. But at the end, everyone seems ready to finally go to Coriana. Until then, I'm kind of done talking about it. We've been almost there every week for the last few weeks. Wake me up when we get there. So let's talk about something a little bit more positive. Superman and Lois. bit of a shift this week. The story following Lois's investigation a little more while we also get our first, I guess, villain of the week in Thaddeus. Kilgrave, kind of. 
There's a slightly more negative shift as well, but we'll get to that a little bit later. If anything, it was actually more like two villains of the week, but really neither were overarching bad guys. We had Kilgrave, he was only there to serve the greater theme of the episode, which was Clark's balance between being family man and being Superman, which I know is the theme of the show, but this episode had a lot more focus on his place as world protector rather than Superman in general sort of terms. Relationships attested to mainly from General Lane, starting to peel back the veil a little bit. What I do know is your dad is very special. I didn't want you to know that, yet here we are. And given that your dad is the most important force for good in the entire world, that means you have an obligation too. Don't waste his time. Try to think about the fact that when your dad gets distracted, lives are at stake. Understood? Yes, sure. And act accordingly. Dick move, granddad. Dick move. But he does get his own back later from Clark and Lois. Stop it! This is the same toxic, honor above all else crap you used to pull on me when I was a kid. Lois, please, this isn't about us. No, it's about you and your parenting choices and how they sucked then and they still suck and we're not gonna be applying them to our boys. I made a choice to dedicate my life to the armed service. You could have done both. That's what Clark is doing and I see him struggle with it every day. So how dare you tell him he can't be the father he is because you never bothered to give it a go. Another scene that gives great meaning to the title. So far, Superman and Lois have shown what a great partnership they make. It's more and more scenes like this one against Sam Lane that show the two characters are more like one. They're a, they're a proper unit. They have different ideas about how to handle things and will no doubt have greater disagreements as the season goes on, but they have this complete trust in one another and it's probably a fair look at these characters in the next phase of their lives. For all intents and purposes, this show is the first time we are seeing these iterations of the characters, but the show doesn't feel the need to have them cover ground they no doubt already would have in their nearly 20 years together. You know, we're not getting arguments or conversations that the two as a married couple or the two as parents would have had, you know, five years into their relationship or when the kids were eight years old. And I respect that about it. It doesn't have to dumb down that sort of content to its audience. Like, well, you never saw this conversation and even though it would have absolutely made sense in a real world for them to have it 10 years ago, well, we're going to show it to you now. That one negative shift I spoke of earlier isn't really a massive detriment to the show, merely a blip, really, but it did go into territory this show was probably expected to, but hasn't until now. When Tag gets frustrated with his injury and he goes home and has this monologue and starts talking to himself. I can't believe this happened. Stupid, broken arm. happening to me that just reeked a little bit of the cw sort of stuff that we've seen in the past anyway and then there's the whole morgan edge stuff a flashback to six years ago where he's driving through what a, a media shower that he seemingly has some sort of navigational awareness of before stopping at one crash site in particular as if reading off a map from the future and finds a small but ominous glowing object only to deliver the most villainous line yet now the resurrection begins what does that even mean? And this is one of those scenes where I really wish it was something of a parody where they would almost cut to like his little minion to the side where there's just this evil boss of theirs staring out into the ether. Let the resurrection begin. 
and just what what do they think in those moments? What are the henchmen that we we learn about so much in, in Austin Powers? Remember that when we cut back to their family? And then cut to the end of the episode, Edge has been granted some type of ownership over Smallville's nearby mines and, again, seemingly finding something he already knew the location of. Right. Yeah. We now own the rights to this land which holds enough ex-kryptonite to resurrect an army. But what fell from the sky at the beginning of the episode surely wasn't an army. Or was it? Or is he just giving people, like his right-hand woman or Colossus last week, superpowers? But they hadn't been resurrected. Or had they? Or are they human subjects along the way to bring back some type of alien life form? Plenty going on, we don't know anything about it. It would almost be enough without the Mystery Luther's secret plan. And at this stage, there isn't anything to suggest the two are linked. Actually, on Luther, he didn't even feature in the episode, but his effect did. You have to laugh. General Lane, after being put in his place for being an arsehole father, grandfather and father-in-law, decides to take things... A little bit extreme. I have reason to believe we may need to consider a contingency plan. I want you to open a new protocol. Call it Project 7734. Lois is like, Dad, Clark is Superman, but he's also a father and will always look after his sons. And Lane's response is essentially, you're right, he could go dark side eventually. I'm not sure I can trust him anymore. Dick move, Sam. Dick move. All right, let's get to the flash. Now, I haven't looked it up, but this episode feels like the natural end of Season 6. As I said a few podcasts back, last season got cut short due to the pandemic, so we can't blame it for that. But it did leave us with an anticlimactic season finale and a Season 7 that seemed to be stretching out an already old story. Whereas this, it could arguably be the series finale. Flash gets his speed back. Iris is all healed up, a big team up between all of the good guys in one final stand. Mirror Master or Mirror Monarch was defeated, but not through violence, through compassion and reasoning. The OG Harrison Wells that we never really ever knew is brought onto the show and then let go again. A new Team Flash is properly established and they even farewell Ralph Dibney after the act of portraying him was fired from the show between seasons. There's a lot of closure and references to the early seasons of the show, and this could have been the last episode ever. Now, it wouldn't have been a particularly great goodbye, but one nonetheless. But this is episode three of a full season, so we know that's not going to happen. Plus, and I was waiting for it, the show just couldn't help it. It couldn't help itself, but still include a post credit scene to tease, hey, Something beyond the end of the actual story in this episode will still happen, guys. Don't not tune in next week. Now, what that is, we have no idea. Only that the experiment to bring Barry's speed back also shot across Central City. Again, yeah. Creating new metas, create a new speedster, bring back to life old bad guys. Who knows? But this show's got to keep going on somehow. I just would have loved for them to have left just the end of a show at the end of a show, especially when it feels like a finale. We're taking crazy pills! Sorry. I've said the episode covered a lot, and it does. Barry getting his real speed back, or rather tapping back into a still-existent speed force, was something that was always going to happen. He is the Flash. So I'm glad that we are finally here and we can stop talking about this artificial speed force, B.S. Now, I don't just want to talk negatively, but this show has certainly not been without some questionable performances along the way, to put it lightly. But some of the dialogue the actors are forced to recite here, it's just not fair. I know you're still in there somewhere. 
I'll never stop fighting to reach you. I may be the paragon of love, but that's only because you're my heart. Oh, and then, and then there's this one. I knew you'd find your way back to me. You'll always be my lightning rod. Honestly, with stuff like that, full cre- you know what? Full credit to the cast. Come on. That is some tough stuff to deliver. Like I said, this wouldn't have been a great finale to the entire series. It isn't even a great episode, but I am excited that there's more of a blank slate to work with from next week. Mirrorverse is over, thank God. Flash's speed is back, thank God. Even the non-violent way of defeating the bad guy, that's a nice touch. One could argue that the show wasn't prepared to have a male Flash resort to violence physically against a female Mirror Master. But that kind of resolution is something we haven't explored ever in this show, I want to say. And if Flash is to fully take over the mantle of Arrow as the longest-serving, arguably leader of the CW heroes, especially with Supergirl soon to wrap up, as well as just being an overall more optimistic hero, certainly more than Arrow, we need to know he's capable of this on a much grander scale. And even if they haven't achieved that yet, they've certainly hinted at it. That is all for DC Talk right here on Get Into Geek. For episode number eight, we will be back next week. Episode five of season one of Superman and Lois before it goes on some kind of hiatus. We want to welcome back a little bit of Supergirl action. We will cover it all and much more right here on Get Into Geek. We'll catch you then. Get Into Geek.